starting around your 30s, most people will um, shift their focus to nurturing existing friendships instead of making new ones. But what I find really interesting is that we don't really have that option. Right. Um, Our survival, like, literally depends on us making new friends Mm -hmm. at every single duty station. I mean, you have to have an emergency contact, and it has to have a last name, and you have to know that phone number. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so – you – you have to have people to rely on. So it's this really, I think it's this crazy, weird sort of paradox where, you know, it's harder, but it's more important. Right. It's so much more crucial. And also because of the frequency in which we do it. And this is the, this is my main question. And, and, you know, I, this is what I want us to explore is, is it, are we strengthening that muscle or is it atrophying from overuse? Because every single time we turn around, we're having to curate new relationships. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Advice Not Given podcast, episode 17. Um, Today, Kelly and I are talking about a loaded topic, and that is friendship. And we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about why it's hard to make friends, uh, why it's hard to stay in touch and keep up with friendships. We're going to call to question some people we see online who seem to have this figured out that we're not so sure about. Um, And then, of course, we want to overlay some cool Enneagram stuff with um, the idea of friendship and some talk about ego and then talk about whether or not these things are helping to grow us and make us better and stronger or if they're depleting us and it has, you know, adverse effects. So, Mm -hmm. um, gosh, this is such a loaded topic. Kelly, why don't you give just a little bit of background on why we're talking about this today? Like what prompted us in our inboxes about this? Yeah. So you guys, first of all, we have been loving all the messages and the responses to our Instagram stories and, you know, messages that we're getting in our inbox. Um, So keep those coming, please. It actually fuels like our creative abilities and like ideas of topics to talk about because we know what we think we're interested in, but we want to hear like what you guys are struggling with or what you're um, curious about. So yeah, we got this really great lengthy message from a friend who shall remain nameless. Um, but, uh, you know who you are and thank you for the note. Um, so she basically wanted us to, or I think the question was, what is your biggest challenge right now? Right. So that was the prompt. And, um, this is a coming from a military spouse and I know this person, she is, amazing and super friendly and warm and welcoming. I mean, we've met in person once, but I, she, I consider her to be a close friend, like one of my online friends. Um, so she's not someone that I would have thought would struggle with making friends, but she essentially sent us a message and I'll just kind of read a couple of lines. Um, she said that she had a struggle with friendship because she just moved to a pretty densely populated area. Um, she lives off post, so off the installation. And there's a common refrain about this area. It's, quote, it's great. There's tons to do, but it's hard to make friends. Um, so she said she said it. Um, she moved from one duty station that wasn't a predominantly military-focused uh, metropolitan area. Um, and where she is now has a lot more military, but there's also a big flux of 
uh, military and civilian folks that live there. Um, so when you're outside of that, you seem to be in a bubble or a vacuum and it takes more time to have, or to form friendships with non-military families. Um, well, I'll touch back in on the rest of her message later. Again, it was such a heartfelt and sincerely thought out note. Um, but she just said that she's had a challenging year, um, personally and really kind of longs for the friendships that she's had elsewhere. And then also like wondering why I can't, why is it so hard to create them where she is? So hmm. I'll stop there. Claire, how, what are your thoughts on? Well, I'm trying just- to think of how we organize this, this talk about it. And I think one thing yeah. to maybe start with is talking about time. Like, we are so impatient because we want those friendships quickly. And I think as military spouses, we tend to, we at least know how to get surface level friendships quickly, right? Like we can go be friendly to a neighbor. We can exchange, um, you know, contact information with somebody at an event, but like that only sustains us for so long, right? Mm -hmm. I know for me, I definitely have to have some deeper, more what I would call Mm -hmm. real friendships. And I think our friend alludes to this in her email. And so what, you know, what's the amount of time that takes? Is it, is it quick? Is it slow? Um, do you continue showing up and doing it when you may be moving soon? So what are your thoughts on just the timeline or what is a reasonable timeline maybe to give yourself? Oh And is there a predictable, is there a predictable timeline? I mean, no, I don't think. Um, so yeah, she goes on to say, and you just kind of hit the nail on the head. She has plenty of daily acquaintances with growing friendships in the community. Um, and some days she prefers it that way, healthy or not. It allows me to avoid some of the pain if I want to. So she's talking about personal things that she's gone through. She doesn't necessarily feel the need to open up to everyone. And I mean, you guys, that's a vulnerability. Like that's hard Mm -hmm. to get there. Um, but on the other days, Um, when it's too much and there's so little support, um, or a little support would be nice. Um, and she says, I'm still taking it slow with my budding civilian friendships. So I think those two issues, so time that we have available, um, without stretching ourselves too thin and look, we just had these whole episodes on boundaries, (laughs) you know, energy reserves and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely going to depend on, you know, your levels of introversion, extroversion, all that, all that stuff. Um, And it also is going to be what you're willing and able to open up to and how you can make those authentic connections um, will be an indicator of how deep they go um, in the long term. And by long term, we might mean one year, which is crazy. And that's the thing, too. Like if there's always like a an end date, it's so it's always just this complex sort of like equation in my mind. I always see it as like this. And I hate to sound that way because that probably doesn't sound amazing but I don't know I think oh yeah it's like you don't you in different scenarios you wonder how much you have to give in the time you have to give it in and then you also I'm also very hyper aware of the perception of others like well if I just meet somebody and maybe they're moving before I move or, um, or as an example, like maybe we've just gotten to a duty station and somebody that I've really clicked with, they're moving in six months. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, what's the point? Like, in, I feel like there's this unwritten rule from both of you that it's like, well, you're cool. We have a lot in common and, but your timeline isn't aligning. So that can be frustrating. Yeah. Um, and then mix in that same idea with civilian friends who, um, maybe in your workplace or, other in other areas like it's just very complex like how do you 
how do you gauge? And then I also think too, you know, I I need the investment of in real life people that I'm going to interact with and see around, Mm -hmm. but that feels like it takes so long to create when I could just call a friend from another duty station and have a really meaningful 30, 45 minute phone call and get my tank full. But that's, but that's not the same thing as face to face friends who are like reading your verbal and nonverbal cues of how you really are. So But also, I mean, but I don't know, though, because then you're still investing in the friendship that you'd spent time yeah. in a previous yeah. era, um, you know, cultivating. So I don't think – it's almost like, okay, so I don't want this to sound like it's a zero sum, right? Like you can only, you know, have local friends or not local friends. And I'm not. that's not what I'm hearing from you, but right. I also think that there's a capacity issue. So we've got to figure out how to, like, what is our capacity, right? Like first and foremost – um, do we have to let go of things or people or things that take cost us energy to be able to make continually room. add? Yeah, to make room. And I don't, I don't think that we do. I mean, other than just there's not enough time in the day to be able to <laughs> connect with everyone right. um, and, and give, give, give. I know that I compartmentalize stuff a lot. Um, we don't know if that's good or bad, but it's definitely an Enneagram five <laughs> trait. Uh, but I, I have people that um, experience something with me. And when I need to revisit that, that's the person I call. Right. You know what I mean? Like you have very specific people or maybe, you know, if you experienced something hard and that person walked through it with you, that might be your person to whenever it's like the anniversary of the thing. Right. right? Or, um, or, you know, I don't know remember when we took this trip and you want, you want to like, whatever, like talk about things that were discussed on a trip or whatever. So you can always have certain people for those things, but you get stretched really thin though, when you do that. Um, Well, and I think too, about being stretched thin, part of what that is for me is trying to differentiate between friendly and real friend, right? Because Mm -hmm. I am real friendly. (laughs) I'm really friendly and I can get out and I I do interact with people a lot. And it's not to say that like people in my Bible studies or people in a class I teach or neighbors are not true friends. They are, but I don't know. I just, there's this differentiation, like you were saying, like I can spend a lot of energy being friendly and hosting things and having people over. But that for me is something very, very different than bosom buddy, golden girl type friend. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that there's a difference? um, Since I feel like we're going to be speaking predominantly to a military spouse audience on this Mm -hmm. episode. I don't know if our our civilian listeners are going to really resonate with this, but do you think that there's a difference um, between living in a a military concentrated area versus one that's not? Um, Because I think that's one of the main things that our friend is kind of grappling with is maybe it would be easier in an area that has more of like a cultural fluency for the military lifestyle. I would say yes. I would say yes, because I think once you've had that, um, you do realize how quickly those connections can be made and how, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're all just kind of speaking the same language and you know what, what's up Um, as opposed to having to seek those friendships out outside of the military community. But that's a question that I say, like, is that necessarily a good thing or a bad thing? I think in the short run, it's a good thing, right? Because you can identify like, okay, we're all in this together. We get it. 
But at the same time, we've even said on this podcast before, sometimes you feel like you can't be your truest self because everybody's in the thick of things together. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. We've, yeah. we've kind of had both. We lived, not this assignment or the one before, but two t- assignments ago, we lived like 30 minutes from the base. We were very much in a civilian community, um, not just in our, where we lived, but like the kids activities. We didn't really do a whole lot of like military things other than our chapel on Sundays. And I loved it. And I felt like I made a lot of really good friends. And I would argue that I keep in touch with those people and got just as close and just as deeply connected as I have with any military people. Um, And they all stayed there even when we moved and left. So what do you think about that question? Well, so I've pretty much, I've experienced pretty similar experience, like, well, you know, as far as like where we've lived, Um, I've done, you know, here at Fort Bragg, it's super dense. I mean, this is I would say predominantly military right. folks, um, in and around Fort Bragg. Um, and it seems to be, I don't know, I guess I have a pretty eclectic friend group as far mm-hmm. as civilian and military, but um, everyone has, everyone understands the lifestyle. If they're right. here and they're not military, they probably were, their family was at some point. Right. Um, but I mean, that's kind of broad, but you know. Um, and then I've also lived in DC and um, I've even lived in non-army. Like I, we lived we were stationed at a Navy base once that was different, right? <laughs> but it's still military. Um, but yeah, when we lived in DC, I kind of felt the same way as our friend. Um, it was overwhelming to me and you know what it is. And this is one thing that I want to say specifically to her. Um, don't discount what you're going through right. in your life. Um, so I had just, some hard stuff going on personally when I lived in DC and there's nothing like going through something and not having people that you can tell, talk to about these things. Right. So I had a couple of people, I had a couple of friends there, you know, like, I mean, whatever. I'd same exact thing as she's saying, like, you know, I right. went to play dates at the park and my kids. You were a hermit. Right. I was not a hermit. Well, I became a hermit. <laughs> I got pretty close, but, um, you know, when it started out, I was like positive and ready to tackle this thing. And I was like, this is DC. I'm going to thrive here. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, but it was a real struggle for me. It just, I think in a healthier headspace, I may have, uh, walked away with a better, um, experience there, mm-hmm. but I was going through some really hard stuff and didn't feel like I had any real connections with people. Now, was that true? Probably not. I probably had connections that I didn't realize and didn't want to um, invest in, like make the effort. Um, so I think back to like just ego in general. There are stories that we tell ourselves, right? There is a there is a, a lens that you perceive the world through, mm-hmm. and especially when going through struggle or stressful things, you see a reality that maybe isn't true. Right. Like right. you're telling yourself, these people don't care about me. I right. can't open up to these people. I can't be vulnerable to these people that are around me because they won't, they won't, he, they won't know what to do with my stuff. Right. Or, or whatever. It could be true, but you don't know that. That's just what you're telling yourself. Yeah. So the other person that you're, the people that are in your life could be like just standing by, probably eagerly waiting for the same exact connection. You know, and they're probably going through something as hard or harder. You know, you never know. Right. Um, and we're all just kind of existing in these little solitary bubbles that we um, protect ourselves with. Um, and you know, I don't know. Not 
it kind of just is what it is. But I think, Mm -hmm. again, recognizing it would probably go a long way. Like, why not just test the waters and say, hey, you know, throw out a little nugget of your hard thing and see how it's taken. If if someone, you know, holds that for you and um, is empathetic and and listens and makes space for you uh, through that thing, or you never know, maybe they're going through the same thing or have gone through it and come out the other end, but you don't know that because you're keeping it all in because you're worried about um, right. the perception of it. So right. I don't know. That's that's kind of my thought. I didn't give that uh, duty station a real chance. Um, I told myself that it was for self-preservation reasons mm-hmm. that I had to, um, and that's not I, – I, I also don't – I don't harbor any uh, shame around that either because I I always have that experience that year to fall back on personally and say, I was able to grow through that. Mm. Um, It was hard in the moment, sucked in the moment. I didn't see the light at the end of that tunnel at all. Um, But now having gone through it, I have sort of a point of reference to say, wow, okay, now I'm here. That was, that was good for me. So. Yeah. I don't know. Thinking too about, location and time and energy reserves and all that. I'm just thinking about even as we grow up ourselves and age, it's just different seasons call for different availability Mm -hmm. that you have, I guess. I know I have talked in the last, no lie, in the last two weeks, I have had three different phone calls with friends that are my age. We're all experiencing the transition away from young kids to teenagers. Um, One has even had one leave the home already. And we're panicking because there is no handbook on how to do this. And we're taught, we've all kind of identified that this is a very isolating time as a, as a friend, because you don't have the time or we're finding it hard to make the time to still invest in girl time with each other. And these are all different friends all over. One's a military spouse, two aren't. And like, we don't, we're not sitting around at play dates anymore. Right. And like commiserating over runny noses and diapers Mm -hmm. and all of our time is spent chauffeuring kids. And it's just this isolating thing. And, um, I don't know, it's just a weird, it's a weird time to be trying to be a friend with others. So no, oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, because you're trying to like squeeze in after every last little second with those babies because <laughs> they're leaving. Like you're counting down. You're constantly right. like, who was it that said once you only have 18 summers or something? Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. So yeah. I, yeah, I think oh, it's it's so complex. I mean, and then you get into the question of, okay, so let me ask you this question. Do you feel like you made friends more easily when you were younger versus now? Mm. That's a really good question. I feel like I've always had a pretty easy time making friends. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't feel like it's gotten harder to make them. I feel like it's just gotten harder to make the time to make them them. and and make the priority. Cause I have always loved having friends and Mm -hmm. man, that's like a a pivotal part of my survival is always identifying a handful of really close friends, whether that's, you know, as a young person or college or early marrieds. Um, So, huh? Yeah. I don't really feel like it's gotten harder. It's just the time I'm making or the, the time there is to develop it, I guess. What about you? Do you feel like it's gotten harder? 
Uh-huh. It has. <laughs> so, um, and a lot of that just has to do with um, my... So, okay, and I struggle with this. I don't know if I'm introverted or extroverted, right? Mm -hmm. So I always, I sit somewhere real close to that line. Like I'm I'm pretty sure now I'm discovering that I am introverted and can flex (laughs) extroverted. Um, I've had some Myers-Briggs people help me kind of figure that out. (laughs) But um, I read, actually, I read somewhere that there are such a, there is such a thing as a highly sensitive extrovert. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. I was like, okay, that sounds right. Um, I was super extroverted when I was younger. Right. Um, and I definitely, I could accumulate people like easily. I, I mean, going out, making friends. I was like the popular kid in my little private school of 15 right. people. So. <laughs> but Queen. Um, <laughs> totally. I ran that place. Um, but I was super extroverted. I was really charismatic. I think I was fun. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. There was always some outing or trip or, you know, whatever that I was planning and orchestrating and like never a dull moment. You know what I mean? Like there were all, there was always something going on. I always had like, even in college, I had friends from high school that would come down and stay yeah. with us or party or whatever. I mean, it was fun. It was great. And never, and, and hardly ever went anywhere that, where I didn't know people. I do not feel the same way anymore. <laughs> like yeah. it has gotten very different. Like I am, I don't have to be the center of attention. I actually can't stand being the center of attention. Whereas if you'd known me, you know, in my early twenties, you would not believe that. Um, it was like, I am here, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. And honestly, looking back at that, that was, uh, me and stress. Hmm. Um, so that's my, that's my seven, um, as a five, that's how I, act and stress. That's how my ego acts out and overcompensates, right? For insecurities. So it's just, you know, I did drama, like literally did, you know, was in the drama club. Yeah. On the stage. (laughs) Like, and loved it because I got to like be whatever I wanted to be. So Hmm. anyway. Well, I um, agree on the not having, I mean, I won't say I don't ever have fun. I don't have a lot of free time for things that like I, I tell Ryan often, like, you married a f- really fun person and I don't ever see her around anymore. Oh, and well, I mean, I just feel like there's yeah. so many things that I don't know. And that's not to say I don't get joy or enjoyment out of my life. It's that, yeah, I used to feel like maybe more carefree and yeah. the world was my yeah. oyster and silly and um, which are all things that make you more inclined to be friendly and a friend to people when you feel like oh. you have the bandwidth for that. That's actually like scientifically grounded too. So we'll link to this. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. So um, the older we get, the harder it is to make friends. I mean, it just is what it is. So um, the older we get and the more thought and energy we allocate towards um, like evaluating what friendships are worth investing in. So we've already kind of touched on that. Like we're always kind of, we only have so much time. We only have so much energy because we're so much, you know, more broadly dispersed. Like we've got the kids and we've got a house and we're working or, you know, whatever. Um, so it's harder to like figure out which things are worth it. Right. And we also neglect ourselves. So I'm reading this in this email. I'm hearing it from things you're saying. I'm recognizing in myself, we're putting ourselves last. Right. So we're not really considering friendships and relationships to be high on our priority list because we think that, you know, our household and our kids and whatever are more important, mm-hmm. um, that we could just get our stuff together and we'll be fine. But really, that's not true at not all. Not true. So, you know, it, and then versus your 20s, that's all you care about is yourself. Yeah. Like, that's well, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So 
starting around your 30s, most people will um, shift their focus to nurturing existing friendships instead of making new ones. But what I find really interesting is that we don't really have that option. Right. Um, Our survival, like, literally depends on us making new friends Mm -hmm. at every single duty station. I mean, you have to have an emergency contact, and it has to have a last name, and you have to know that phone number. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so – you – you have to have people to rely on. So it's this really, I think it's this crazy, weird sort of paradox where, you know, it's harder, but it's more important. Right. It's so much more crucial. And also because of the frequency in which we do it. And this is the, this is my main question. And, and, you know, I, this is what I want us to explore is, is it, are we strengthening that muscle or is it atrophying from overuse? Because every single time we turn around, we're having to curate new relationships. I think. Um, and then also yeah. maintains the ones we have that are so important to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I tended into do stint, excuse me, I tended and still have a tendency towards very black and white answers. But one thing that Ryan has been really good about is saying, you know, it can be both. And I think the answer mm-hmm. to that question is yes, it's both. It is both exhausting and de- depleting, but it is also strengthening. Because I do feel like, um, not to say that my younger, my friendships when I was younger aren't strong, but I do feel like now when I commit to a friendship, like there is a depth to it that there is nothing that's going to rock it at this point, right? Like, so I do think there's some wisdom, I guess, that you gain as you get older and making friends. But I do think also the, the frequency with which we have to do it. And knowing, it's almost like it adds an extra layer of pressure knowing that like, well, I've got to get some good close friends here, if not for an emergency contact, just because I need somebody that can, you know, look into my soul and understand me. Like there's pressure you put on yourself knowing that that has to happen. Um, so yeah, I think that can be very depleting and very draining. And I know for me, we're, we're moving in six months and I am forcing myself to stay all in with my friends here until we move and a couple in particular. And, you know, some, some are more acquaintance than friend, but the real like friend, friend people, like I'm, I'm just committed. And that's knowing that I'm going to go somewhere new and have to start it all over again. And I'm already thinking like, and we've said before, you actually get a a chance to kind of recreate yourself. Right. So like that new, Mm -hmm. new thing, you may have ideas of how you want to approach friendships or what you want to give away as part of who you are and what you have yeah. to offer other people. So whew, oh, it's a lot. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. Like I'm envisioning this like graph, right? And it's, you know, you've got this line that is tracking up as far as like mm-hmm. your need for new friends and your accumulation of new relationships, new friends. And then and the other line is like literally like it's a big X, right? Right. <laughs> the other line is like falling because that, and that's your, that's your energy, your time, um, your willingness, willingness to be vulnerable. Right. And authentic and, you know, not just like, oh gosh, it's so, it's so tricky. I, and I get, I can't help but feel like a little bit, hmm, not resentful. I don't, I'm searching for the right word here. Um, it's aggravating mm-hmm. to see the ideals, especially on Instagram and from like self-help gurus. I mean, that we love and adore and follow like crazy, but they all have this sort of perfectly packaged sort of plan for right. uh, relationships and self-care and all this. And it's have your tribe and, you know, that's cute and that's great. And that's so sweet that people like Jen Hatmaker have 
the same little squad that she's rolled with for decades. Like they've right. raised their children together. They're doing, you know, sending their kids off to college. And I adore her and I adore most of the people she runs with. But like, you know, when she's saying like, you have to have people to have Sunday dinner with, and this is crucial. Like that was in one of her books. Mm-hmm. Which book was it? Oh my God. I read that book while I lived in was DC it? as a Bible study. See, I was doing oh, stuff. Was I did- it um, seven or yeah. Mess- her rule yeah. was was dinner club or supper club. And I couldn't help but like grit my teeth reading that whole thing. Like I don't have that luxury. Like I, I wish more than anything else. I could. it's a privilege if you think about it. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would go back and forth between like really like hating those people. (laughs) Like screw you. Um, But also like longing for it. Yeah, it's not yeah. to say that it's completely out of reach. Like, I know that I have limited my capacity to do that in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, be real. Like, again, you you want to talk about boundaries, but then you want to cry because you're lonely. Like, those are yeah. very, <laughs> those, are, those are two very um, things that you can, ha- you have to figure out how to hold both. Um, and that, right. I think, is the struggle. Not so much like you're struggling because you don't have true friends because you're not being authentic and vulnerable. I think the struggle is, you know, blaming yourself for your situation and saying like, you know, you need to figure this out. This is how adults do things versus like, you just got to figure out your balance. Well, the thing that I find is I, I do value those things. And I have found that over the years that they're so valuable to me that I have to go ahead and try to implement them and plan for them. But what tires me out is often it can feel like I'm doing all of the giving Mm -hmm. and the hosting Mm -hmm. and the inviting and the cooking and the, And it doesn't always feel reciprocated and not that you have to, not that I'm keeping score or like, I've had you over this many times and now it's your turn to have me over. But like, we were even talking offline, like how many times do you kind of like put that out there before you're like, all right, well, Mm -hmm. I got the message. Um, But it's like, what's the alternative? That's what I I consider all the time. It's like, well, I can either put in all this effort and put in all this work and host and have the monthly meal at my house. Um, or not do it and feel terrible too. So maybe I'll just do it and feel a little tired at the end of it. And well, yeah. And what are you willing to recover from? Right. right. Like, and again, that self-awareness, like if that's going to like hurt your feelings or like, that's going to be something that you can't, you can't get back for yourself, then maybe don't offer it. But if right. you can, and it didn't hurt anybody, then, you know, okay. Maybe, yeah. you know, the people that aren't reciprocating have some crazy stuff going on that they haven't been open with you about yet right. because you guys were met. And, you know, there's right. always, everybody has stuff. So, oof. Hey friends, I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about another project that Claire and I have poured our hearts into. You see, we met a few years ago online. I know, it's crazy. We bonded over the fact that we were in similar phases in our lives, we were both married to military service members, and we both found the same tool to be instrumental in helping us work through understanding our experience in a more healthy way. So, Claire being a teacher and me being, well, a tinkerer, we put our heads together and created a course to help other military spouses recognize the unique stressors that we face, understand our own coping mechanisms and where they come from, start to identify your own personalities and egocentricities, and then embrace a more authentic path forward. So what is this tool you're wondering? Well, if you've listened so far, you've heard us talk about it already. It's called the Enneagram, and we want to introduce you to it and help walk you through it 
as you discover your own type. So our course is called the Becoming Your Own Guru eCourse. It includes close to three hours of video instruction. The Becoming Your Own Guru workbook is a 17-page downloadable guide that is filled with diagrams, definitions, reflection prompts, and exercises to help you work towards embracing your identity. There's also downloadable audio files for all of the lectures, so you'll be able to put those MP3 files directly into your podcast player. If you're interested in learning more about this oh-so-popular tool, head over to the website, that's millspogurus.com, and click on the e-course tab for more information. And now back to the show. Well, let me ask you this, not to totally switch gears, but what if you had to just maybe give a little bulleted list of qualities. What what are the things you look for in a friend? Mm. That's part one. We can both answer that. And then also, what do you feel like maybe some of your strengths are as a friend or how you <laughs> feel like you contribute to friendships? Oh, gosh. Um, okay. We'll start with what you look for in a friend. I mean, not to like prepare me for this or anything, Claire. Like, I love how you just throw <laughs> Just that's the best answers come off the cuff. Um, Yeah, it's true. Uh, Okay. What I look for, I look for um, honesty Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say authenticity, but not in like the clicky, like trendy buzzword way. Like I want to make sure that people are, I think it goes back to honesty, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can, you can tell when people are being fake. Right. I mean, just, you just, I, I don't know. I think I can. I oh, think I can I, too. I'm a judge of that. Yeah. Um, you don't have all your stuff together. Like, yeah. Like, and if you do, then I probably don't want to be friends with you anyway because you're going right. to feel bad about my life. So <laughs> that's, that's one thing, like realness. Um, and also I would say, um, fun. Like they need to be like not super guarded. Right. Yeah, and that goes back to being real. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if I say something, I, you know, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. I know I have some pretty strong opinions about some things, but, and I try to keep those close-ish, but if they come out and you're going to judge me for it, like we're probably not going to make it real far. Yeah. So because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try real hard not to judge you too. Like, you know, right. I'm going to assume that you feel the opposite way as me always. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of walk in with those assumptions. Um, so I try, I try. Um, as far as what do I think I bring? Um, I think that I perceive myself to be loyal um, and a good confidant, mm. but I hope that I haven't failed anyone listening to, to, that, to that end. The good news is, have, is this I'm, is a podcast. They can't speak up yeah. right now against it's not, you. It's so. not public or anything. Yeah. I'm just saying they don't have the means to speak up into yeah. the track right now. Like it's just right. us. <laughs> right. We're going to get an email. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, that is one thing. It's a value to me. Like, um, gosh, my mom taught me when I was, we were taught us when we were a little bitty. Like if you don't want anyone to know a thing, you don't tell anybody. Like Ooh, the yeah. only person that can keep your secret is yourself. Um, and that's it. I mean, and I, so I have tried to live by that. Like if someone tells me something like that is, that's law, you know, like right. you don't repeat it. And I know that I have failed before. I mean, you know, who doesn't right. fall, the, the gossip and whatever, but that is something that I try to try live to by. hold. Yeah. 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 I love it. What about you? Well, I think things that I look for are very similar to the things you've mentioned. Definitely honesty and trustworthiness. Um, I feel like I don't give people a whole lot of chances. Like once you fail me on that once or twice, like I, <laughs> I just, I, I see that that maybe is as far as we're going to get as French, you know, in mm-hmm. our friendship. Um, 
I think I look for availability, like, and not just, you know, Hey, can you make for coffee, but available, like to continue building the friendship and emotionally um, available. Yeah. Emotionally available. And, um, I don't know if it's just this season of life I'm in or where we are, or if this kind of aligns partially with kind of a ministry thing, but so often, um, I feel like I do a lot of counseling to and with other people and I take in a lot, take on and take in a lot of other people's stuff, but I need you to occasionally like ask me how I'm doing too. Right. And, um, so I guess that's kind of what I mean by the availability. Like we're we're both showing up for each other and it's not one-sided. Um, so that's probably the things I look for. Um, I, and I do look for fun. I think sometimes, um, it's easy to, like initially kind of click with people who are just like you, mm-hmm. but that can only take you so far. Yeah. You do have a lot in common, but sometimes it's like the fun people who, I don't know, like there's just certain people that like I text with that, like we just have the same sense of humor and like yeah. we just get yeah. each other and they get my yeah. the urban dictionary word of the day that I'm going to send you or the office gif or um, so yeah, those, those are the kind of things, some sense of humor, fun, Aww. availability. Aww and trustworthiness, which is huge for a six, right? Because right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've ruined that with me and we're done. So <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Yeah. We were talking uh, a while back about, um, giving people opportunities and I was like extending way more opportunities. And I, Claire's like, what? <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. have gone past like one invite. And I'm like, Really? Like, it, I don't know. It just seems I crazy. Said that, like, I said two. I said two invites. But to be like the the one that is like the community driven and like right. the whole group, whatever, yeah. I, in my head, like I would think, oh no, she's going to be the one that's like the most hospitable and like whenever you want to, whenever you want to come, you know, whatever, extend all the invites. But I think what it boils down for you is like the loyalty aspect. Like, okay, mm. you don't make the cut. Right. <laughs> so. But I do think, I do think one of the things I do offer though, as a friend is hospitality. And I do, if if I see that you're willing to take what I'm laying down and putting out, Mm -hmm. then I I can be very hospitable. Um, So yeah, I guess it's a defense mechanism too, because I'm not going to let somebody hurt me like that or reject me like that over and over when they just refuse, you know, when you've invited and invited and, um, but then the other thing I want to say that I mentioned in that conversation with you was you can't take it personally either because I don't right. think it's anything yep. you have done. I think yep. you just don't know what that person's carrying or going through. And um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And again, it goes back to stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's. I mean, it totally, like here I was thinking like, oh, it must be personal. Like, no. Why does it have to be personal? Why does right. it ever have to be personal? Right. It probably should never be. Per- I mean, even if it is personal, like you shouldn't be perceiving it that way because yeah. that's not helpful. Yeah. Like unless, you know, the person comes to you and says, actually, I've got beef with this thing that you did mm-hmm. or whatever. Like there's no reason for any of this to be uh, yeah. so egocentric. Right. And so like, you know, oh, it's yeah. all about me. Really? Yeah. It's probably not. We're all adults in 2019 and we all have crazy stuff going mm-hmm. on. So. Yep. Pretty much everybody's got an excuse to not come to your thing. Right, <laughs> right. But I do want to tie that back into the email that our friend sent us because I love how she ends her email to us. She was just saying, mm-hmm. you know, I promise I'm not taking this lying down. And she yeah. says that she is proactive. She's inviting people for dinner. She's yeah. making play dates and speaking and being friendly to people at her gym and at preschool. And, you know, you you do have to just keep doing those things. Yeah. And um, 
over time, even though, you know, she mentions that for her, this is going at a snail's pace and she may be moving to her next place before she's really connected. But but you do, you just have to keep showing up and you have to keep putting in the time and the energy. And um, I talked a little bit about that even on a podcast with Jen McDonald on building community. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, our tendency may feel like we want to just hole up, right? And say, well, forget it. I'm done here. But one of the things I remember telling her is the thing that kind of gets me out of that funk is when I do try to do something nice for somebody else, or I do make a connection that's not self-serving, but others serving. And um, Mm -hmm. it sometimes takes me longer than others to get out of that headspace of like, poor me, woe is me. But like when I can finally flip the switch a little and say, man, you know, somebody around me may benefit from this act of kindness or friendliness. Um, then it, it may, I get the, it's a double win because they get the nice thing and I get the, oh, the right. dopamine hit from, from doing no. it. So yeah, yeah. that's great. That's great. That's a great way to look at it too, because it's something you can do instead of an expectation that you're placing on other people. Like it's on you and you can control that. So yeah. And the one thing I wanted to leave her with too, is just, um, give yourself some grace. Absolutely. Um, there is no, there's no, uh, rule book or guide that says, you know, this is what you do this many days out and months out and weeks out and years out. And I, when I just specifically tell her, like, I'm here, yeah. <laughs> Claire's here, <laughs> um, we, were, we were happy to be a sounding board, a listening board. Um, you are very well loved. Uh, you know, you know that, but it's hard when you're separated from that sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. So reach out to the people yeah. that love you, um, even if they don't live there or, yeah. you know, it's a previous duty station. Maybe this is an era of nurturing the older friendships right. um, and that's fine too. So yeah. Yeah. And just another thought, like another simple to me, simple piece of wisdom is, and it sounds like it's what she's doing. Be the friend to others that you would like to have. And um, you can't go wrong there at all, at all. Well, two quick things. Well, one's quick and one maybe another few minutes, but we want to, as always, tie this into some cool Enneagram stuff. And we'll link the first thing in the show notes, but the Enneagram Institute has this great little page where you can find your type and then look at each of the nine types and how you interact with compatibility um, and see how you're living your best, healthiest life as your type. But the thing we really want to kind of hone in on here at the end, uh, there is this little gal that we found her blog, her name's Bailey Hurley, and she has the cutest, um, greatest little overall kind of how to determine what your friendship superpower is according to your Enneagram type. And we just wanted to quickly run down those and, um, you know, kind of give a shout out to each of the nine types and then direct you to that if you want to read up on it a little bit more. So we'll start with the type one, which is the intentional friend, very loyal, very reliable. Kelly, how do you love your type one friends according to this piece? So yeah, she says reciprocate their efforts from time to time by planning a special friend date for the two of you. Um, So I guess thought being, you know, the ones maybe typically the ones to show up to plan the thing right. um, and to invest the time into making the friendship work because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so do that for them. Yeah. 
Absolutely. The type two, she calls the compassionate friend who's full of empathy and is always able to anticipate the needs of their friends and is super great at listening and helping. Um, But what does she say about how you love your type two friends? I love this. So when type two friends are going through a hard time, don't let them deflect their emotions to focus on you. Give them the opportunity to be heard and cared for. So type twos are always neglecting their own needs. Oh, totally. Um, So Mm-hmm. So for, I must force it. Like, right. no, this is my time to love on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, what do you need? Like, yeah. I'm going to help you. It's yeah. great. I have a, a thing I love to do. And that's like physically like take, and not just a stranger, obviously, but a close friend. Like I will often like take their hand or look them right in oh. the eye and say, no, how are you doing? How are you doing? Uh-huh. And that just, you know, for a two, that can kind of break them sometimes because they don't always, uh-huh. they're not always thinking like, about wait. it. <laughs> yeah, wait. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to throw one more thing in there. Yeah, throw it. My how to love a type two is take the casserole. Yep. Okay. And let me tell you why. So um, I have always, fives and twos have an odd sort of um, dynamic. Um, so fives don't like to be intruded on and they have really crazy boundaries and twos don't understand boundaries. Right. <laughs> and actually like kind of push against boundaries because they're like, wait, no, you, you need to love me. Um, and so I have had people bring me food or, and I interpret that the story I tell myself is you think I can't cook for my family, right. (laughs) Or that you're somehow incompetent or incapable. I can't just receive a gift. So my work in around that has been Kelly, take the casserole. Yeah. Like it is not going to kill you to take the casserole and say, thank you, but it will do so much for that person that yeah. prepared it and cooked it and gave it to you and yeah. thought of you so much to cook a freaking meal for you. Um, so that has been take the casserole. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Very good. Type yeah. three, she calls the supportive friend and it's um, the people who love seeing their friends achieve their goals and realize their potential and walk com- confidently and comfortably in their calling. You love to connect people and have a large capacity to maintain a lot of friendships at one time, but how do we love these type three friends back? Oh, this is great. So challenge them, push them back and get excited about their new goals. So I think a lot of times the threes get so eager to like elevate everyone else that and people think threes like they've just arrived. Like everyone Mm -hmm. looks at a three and thinks like, well, you're amazing. Like you've got it all together. Yeah. Yeah. You've got it all, but really they don't. They're just, they're struggling just like the rest of us. So Mm -hmm. challenge them and support them in the same way with the same amount of like energy and emphasis that they give to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Type four, she calls the trusted friend. She says you're a comfort and a safe space for your friends because you foster healthy communication and vulnerability. Um, they can be an idealist for others and you, they let you dream with them and they don't limit you. They champion you and your creative endeavors. So how should we love our type four friends back? So this says to be open and real with them. So they're willing to go deep with you. So don't hold back from the friendship. Um, so this kind of goes to my, I, I do have a bit of a four wing. So that mm-hmm. goes back to my, like, be authentic, you know, don't be fake. Um, right. one thing I'll add to this too, is fours are, um, can easily kind of shift to and from like melancholic moods. Mm-hmm. Um, they're okay with like dark stuff, um, yeah. whether that means they're going through it themselves or just experiencing it or like viewing it or, you know, whatever, like, but don't shy away from that. So that could right. be harder for some types more than others. But if they want to just kind of sit in that space, um, 
sit with them and make space yeah. for that. I sometimes think maybe I am a four because I <laughs> I won't say I love seeing other people upset, but like I really mm. do like to cry. I don't like for people to cry alone. Like I want to like Aww. dig in and like there's nothing you can tell me that's going to make me, you know, walk away here. Like, let's just roll up oh. our sleeves and deal with it. Wow. So, yeah. But I see that for you as being like um, connection. True. As like a, a conduit for connection. That's true. More so than like experiencing that emotion. True. Um, Probably. Yeah, I love that. Probably. So let's get to your number, Kelly, the type five. Oh, <laughs> uh, she calls this the curious friend and how most fives learn or thrive off of learning new things about their friends and kind of storing it away in their memory banks. Mm-hmm. And you love to like know all the facts and intentionally question your friends so they feel known by you. Um, but she also ends with you are not, not ever clingy because you know oh. your boundaries and friendship. So how so do we true. love the type five? Tell us, Kelly, how do we right, love the type five? Me, yeah, <laughs> let me, let me read this first. Um, so these friends love to discuss topic in depth. So engage in conversation that is open-minded and well thought out. Oh, I love that. Um, also take mental notes to follow up with them on it later to show that you remember important things. Hmm. I love that. That is, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, my only thing that I would add is uh, check in on your fives yeah. a little more often than others because they're not as uh, quick to reach out uh, when, you know, going through something. Or if you notice that they've kind of disappeared, like check in, not intrusively. Right. You know, you don't have to the casserole. So <laughs> maybe put the casserole on the doorstep <laughs> and then run and off run and then text them that it's out there. So my new my new doormat. I'm obsessed with my new doormat. It says, "I hope you brought wine." Like, don't even ring my doorbell unless you have me. That's but funny. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's great. Funny. I agree with that. This okay. is good. Well, here's my type, the type six. Yeah. She calls the genuine friend. Aww. And this is very true of me. You very carefully enter into friendships, mm. but once you do, you're in it for the long haul. Conflict doesn't scare you away. Um, once you feel comfortable with a group of people, you're playful, energetic, and a breath of life into your friends. So, oh, I like that. That sounds totally on brand for you. Okay. Um, so yeah. How, how do you <laughs> so love how, me? How do you love how a type six? It says they can easily measure who is a genuine friend or not. So try to be honest with them. We're obviously we, there's a theme for this five and six episode here mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and remind them of your commitment to the relate to the friendship. So that goes back to, you know, six is being so fiercely protective of their group, their people, their, you know, their circle of relationships because they depend on it. So right intensely um so even you being there is enough but like reassert that and just remind them of how much you love them and committed you are to even when they're going through hard things hey i'm here with you like we're gonna go through together right i love it that's true very very true type seven she calls the positive friend uh that you sevens are gifts to your friend circles because Mm -hmm. you are so good at including others and helping everybody in the group to have fun you always see the positive aspects of life. You notice the positive aspects in your friends and you aren't afraid to tell them. And you thrive off of friend time, which means you're always looking to connect with your friends. So your schedule's always open for quality time. And maybe that's what I'm saying I miss. Maybe I was leaning heavier into my seven wing when I was mm-hmm. younger and I was, yeah. you know, thriving off that. But anyway, so what in general, like Kelly, that. what does sevens need or how do we love our seven friends? 
So say yes more often when they initiate friend time and be prepared to show up with just as much enthusiasm of their <laughs> endeavors as they do for yours. Um, so just kind of mirror, mirroring their excitement for something, um, being a little more impulsive and uh, enthusiastic about something that they've spent time planning. Because yeah. more than I mean, they're in the head triad. They're in the head triad. So that this is how they spend their time and their mental right. energy planning fun things and and ways to engage their group so um yeah say so yeah yep. and plus plus it'll be fun oh like, you know it, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah just say yes just say yes okay type yeah. eights are our protective friends they tend to intuitively see the potential in others that the person themselves may often overlook they're not afraid to challenge their friends to reach their full potential they're definitely consistent and faithful to friendships um, they're not flaky. They yeah. may have a little bit of an assertive presence, but know that, um, you know, they're not going to feel afraid to confront you if you need to be confronted. And it's it's based on them wanting to see you grow. So how do yeah. we love an eight? Ooh, I like that. Well, I do love an eight. My you do. Eight. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, it says invite them to let their softer side show. It makes take some time to build their trust, but they will appreciate having a friend that allows them to be tough and vulnerable mm-hmm. um so the way that that you know kind of manifests for us is and and my eight I have tons of eight friends actually too I'm right. really drawn to this energy for some reason which mm-hmm. you wouldn't it's actually my strength number too so um you know it's like I see through the the facade and the flex right, right? like I know that you're doing that because you love me or you love you know something or you mm-hmm. love an ideal but I also know that there's more down there like right you're kind you're caring you're loving and, you know, I try real hard not to shy away from that when those moments bubble up um, yeah. and just, yeah, be there and, and let them feel safe in expressing that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And finally, our type nines are our open minded friends and they are the best at meeting their friends where they are and seeing their point mm-hmm. of view. Um, They're very compatible with almost any personality type because they are so adaptable, right? (laughs) And they can mirror your passion and make it their passion as well. Um, Nines often help create open dialogue. They are non-judgmental and help create a peaceful environment. So how do we love our nine friends? No, oh, one of my closest friends here is a nine. Um, so, and she listens. So, <laughs> hi. Hi. Um, it says identify and draw out the unique things about your type nine friends, so they can also have the freedom to be their true selves. I love that, and I really, really like that. So, a recognizing that uh, she's a nine, and like in a group text, and someone's like you know, trying to decide something like where to eat for the, you know, the weekly outing or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm always like when she chimes in or says something or like there was something with our kids are playing on a sports team and the coach was being kind of wishy-washy about something. And she was the one to say, you know what, this is the way I vote or, you know, like this is my opinion on this thing. I like praised her and celebrated her. I was like, oh my God, look at you be the first one to speak up not only have the opinion but also I mean you have it just expressing the opinion right and then also to be the very first one to like break that seal Mm because everyone else felt the same way but she was I'm like I'm so proud of you so that's the one thing that I would add to that yeah I love it I love it well this is the time in our episode where we want to touch back to the previous week's um advice 
But full transparency, we are recording this before Thanksgiving, so we cannot check in to tell you how we, you know, how we measured up with our advice. My advice was to take it easy and take it, um, you know, take a chill pill. Take a nap. Take a nap. nap. (laughs) I promise you I am going to do that, but we do not have anything to check back in on from that episode yet. We'll do it at a later time, but we were trying to go ahead and get a few things in order so that we can actually take a break and enjoy our Thanksgiving week and not feel so super rushed to get this ready for the following week. So that's where we are on last episode's advice, episode 16 on Thanksgiving. But Kelly, for today's episode, episode, we do need to set out a challenge for mm-hmm. ourselves. And so we haven't <laughs> given much thought to this. <laughs> I know I haven't, but you know, what, what would be some advice to take away? So I'm going to go back to the email. Um, and I just want to say like, I think looking back on your experiences and my experiences um, over the years, being able to like cultivate an attitude of grace and gratitude for um, maybe a friendship desert period um, Mm -hmm. or a period of not having friends. It's okay. Like you haven't failed in any way. Um, It was maybe you need that time to focus inward and that's okay. Um, So if you're, if you're doing, you know, the, the things that are checking the boxes for you being social and actually getting human interaction and being available for the moments that may happen if you're open to them, then I think that's enough. Um, so I know, you know, personally, I'm going to maybe take account of um, some of those periods, make sure mm-hmm. that I'm not um, being judgmental or viewing those memories with any sort of judgment um, and just trying to be open where I am. I like that. That's, that's really broad. But it's, it's broad. It's gonna be, I mean, that's going to be hard to check in on, but I think it's okay. It's easier. Sometimes it's easier said than done too, but like, I think, I think it's a very worthy goal, very worthy, yeah. something to really focus on and, you know, try for. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I think I will go in a little bit more of a tangible direction. And while I, I think here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to pick three in real life, local people I see um, very regularly. And then we'll pick three people that don't live near me that have meant a lot over the years as friends. And I am going to send all six people, three local, three far away, either a text message or a voice memo. And I am going to tell them how I feel about them and what they mean to me. So that's my challenge. And that's something I can check off, yes or no, whether I did it or not. Um, And it's kind of so in line with your Enneagram six (laughs) friendship persona. I love it. Yeah. So I'm going to just send out some love. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Well, if you've listened to this episode and anything that we have mentioned about friendships has resonated with you, we mean it when we say we would love to hear from you. Um, You can email us either one Claire or Kelly at millspogurus.com. We would love to hear from you. You can direct messages through Instagram or through Facebook and we'll check in with you and get back with you. So let us know what you think. Oh, and we have two new patrons. So we want to say hey and give you guys a shout out. So we've got Julie and Jocelyn, two new patrons. Yay! Yay. Celebrate you guys. We're so excited to have you um, in our corner and supporting us. And look forward to all that extra bonus content, you guys. Patreon.com slash Gurus. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website 
at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.